Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Well, hey there, Mama. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Parental burnout is a topic that definitely over the last few years has been really front of mind for a lot of people. And today's guest, Lisa Dillon, has done some research around this and provides research-orientated content um, through her social media channels. And that's actually how I came across Lisa. And so today we look at, you know, what is parental burnout, the impacts that it's happening, uh, that it's having, but also then recognizing what we can do as a result. So it doesn't mean that you need to stay in this phase of burnout. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can get out of it. But often it actually means that you need to do the work and also sometimes seek help. So this is an episode that may trigger some people. So this is just a bit of a word of warning, but I hope you enjoy it. And this episode is brought to you by the Working Mama Village, which is a digital membership to support, empower, and provide you with the confidence to be a mum and also have a career. And if you're loving these episodes, I would really appreciate if you'd be able to leave a rating and review on any of the podcast platforms. So let's get into it. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? Oh, good, Karina. Thank you so much for having me. We were just talking off air that I've just been trying to get my son down for the last hour, but his dad's with him at the moment. So fingers crossed, he'll be asleep soon. (laughs) We're talking at 8 p.m. at night. So yeah, so so we've just gone through, you know, dinner, bath, um, trying to soothe babies to sleep. So, you know, it's okay. It's all good. (laughs) Everyone's been there. And I'm sure if you're listening, you can be like, yep, I'm either there in the trenches with you or I know exactly what she's going through. Cause I, as as I said, I've been there before and many, many times. So I completely feel for you, but it's also good (laughs) that your husband's doing it as well. Yes, absolutely. Very confident man, that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Good to see. So those that don't know you, Lisa, How would you best describe yourself and what's been your career journey so far? So I am a mum of two. I had my first baby in July 2020 at the height of the pandemic, which was a lot of, which was interesting, not a lot of fun, but very interesting. And I'm also on maternity leave with my second baby, who is nine months today. And so for a day job, I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in public health. I work at a university here in Sydney and I finished my PhD in 2019. And I've sort of been working sporadically in between having babies between (laughs) 2019 and now. So I went back after my daughter was a year old and then went back on maternity leave six months later. So before that, I was a PhD student. And while I was doing that, I was working with people with disability, which was an awesome job. I worked with lots of kids and people all the way up to 90 years old. So that was beautiful going out into the community and working with a range of people with disabilities. And before that, I sort of self-funded my way through uni, doing retail and odd jobs and all the way back to I actually left school when I was 15 years old because I was good at mathematics and my parents thought it'd be a good idea if I went and became an accountant. So, (laughs) so 
like everyone, I've got a really crazy sort of path to where I am today. And I didn't enjoy accountancy and it was very funny. I, I looked at my, you know, UAC guide. I had to go back to TAFE and get like a H, what do they call it now? UAI equivalency. And I looked in the UAC guide and I, UAC guide and thought, what's the complete opposite to accountancy? I'll yeah. go do psychology. So yeah, so I did my psych degree and I've got a master's in special education, which helped me with my disability work. And then I did my PhD. Yeah. So I've done a lot of odd things throughout my life <laughs> in the last 15 years, but it's been a lot of fun. But everyone has a different journey on, on our, on our paths and, you know, what, what we think we want to do when we're teenagers is different to often where we end up. And as they say, I think it's these days, it's about seven or eight different career changes. So you're definitely helping I've ticked those up statistics few. out there. <laughs> and I guess I should talk about more recently. So I'm on mat leave from my uni job, but I've also on Instagram and I share basically the science of motherhood. So anything to do with science and motherhood and children, that's what I like to share. And so for me, my page is more mother-centric, more parent-centric. So there's lots of people on Instagram sharing research about child development, that kind of thing. So I'll leave that to them. Mine is more about the relationship between parent and child and, and how to support parents and advocate for better support and that kind of thing. And I also have a little side business, which I don't really promote very well. I need, I need somebody in marketing because <laughs> I can't sell anything, which is about baby products and essential products. So that's something I do on the side as well. But at the moment, I'm obviously on mat leaves, not not trying to do too much when it comes to that at the moment. So just focusing on disseminating research and sharing that broadly so other mothers and parents can see what a fabulous job they're doing and sort of take a bit of pressure off themselves as well. Yeah, your page is definitely well worth sharing. So do you want to just quickly give it a plug right now in case for someone's listening and they yeah, can sure. reference it back? So my page is at Dr. Lisa and, and yeah. That's my page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely go go check it out. It's yeah. it's got a lot of hints and tips. Not really so much tips, but a lot of research is what you said. And actually, by your page, that's how I then contacted you to talk about it because you'd actually done a post around parental burnout, which is a t- we're recording this at the start of December 2022, so it'll come out next year. But it's a topic that I don't think it's really even Christmas time. It's not just about burnout. I think it's particularly the last couple of years, it's a topic that everyone's talking about. And as what you said at the start, parenting's not easy. It's tough. And there's, I think we've always heard the term parental burnout, but it really seems to be the last couple of years, I think even with COVID and particularly in Melbourne, I am like with lockdowns that were endless. It seems to be that everyone's talking about burnout and particularly parental burnout and we're all exhausted and things like that. Am I just hearing lots of things and noise around it or how common is it really? And then another leading question from there is why do we get so burnt out as parents? Yeah, so I'll do some definitions to begin with and some statistics as well. So parental burnout is the physical, mental and emotional exhaustion that one feels from chronic stress of parenting. So a lot of people understand burnout as in work burnout as a concept, but the thing about work burnout is that to some extent you can turn your computer off at 5pm and to some extent you could find another job and to some extent you could sort of take a, a lot of burden. There's a few elements that you can control a little bit. Correct. 
But when it comes to parental burnout, you're parenting 24-7. Even if you're a full-time working parent, you're still parenting 24-7. You still can be on the phone at any point to go pick up your kid from daycare or wherever they might be. They might still need you at night times. It's not... It's, it's a little bit more insidious. I don't know if that's the right word because we don't want to sort of think of our kids as insidious, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. It's, a, it's the 24-7 job as opposed to a work burnout when you can, you can to a certain extent escape. So uh, research is quite mixed when it comes to the statistics. So a few years ago, the stats were that up to 15% of parents are experiencing parental burnout. But there was a recent 2022 study that shows that two-thirds of parents in paid work are actually burnt out. And in general, 68% of mothers are experiencing parental burnout and 42% of fathers are experiencing parental burnout. So the numbers have gone gangbusters basically in the last few years. And I'm sure the listeners can understand why that might be in terms of COVID. It's... It, <sighs> That was a really tough time for all of us. And Karina, and yeah, you're in Melbourne and you're constantly in and out of lockdowns mm. for such a long time. And that put a lot of load back on parents that, look, we haven't had a village in a long time, but <clears throat> the last couple of years that village got even smaller. And so parents were doing everything for their children and not able to outsource in a way that they were a couple of years ago, three or four years ago. And that's really increased those numbers, unfortunately, for parents. And I think although things to a certain extent have come down a little bit and come back to normal, we can go out and get more support and that kind of thing, I think there's still that hangover that's going to take a little while. And we all got used to taking on that load a lot more Mm. as well. And it might be a bit more challenging for parents to ask for help and to outsource and that kind of thing because they might think that this is the new normal, this is what you have to do. Yes, so there's a few reasons why. And parental burnout happens when there's a mismatch of resources and a demand or a workload on that parent. <clears throat> so you might you might have a challenging child. You might, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Let me try that again. <laughs> You might have a challenging situation, but you might have a village of support around you. And so it's likely you might you might not experience parental burnout or you might be in a challenging situation, but you don't have a lot of support around you. And that increases your chance chances of having parent, of experiencing parental burnout. And there are some risk factors. So if you're a single parent, if you're a parent, sorry, my you bud just fill out. <clears throat> The risk factors are if you're a single parent, if you're a parent of child with, dis- with children with disabilities, if you're experiencing a mental illness yourself, like postpartum depression, if you're isolated, which is all of us the last few years, and as well as perfectionist tendencies as well. And I can talk a little bit more about that as well. Those can all increase your risk of parental burnout. So you can probably see from those examples that it. when you're in a challenging circumstance and you don't have the resources to help you that emotional physical practical that outside support to support you that's when your risk can go up so even if you don't fall in any of those categories it can still happen to you so it's something that we need to stay on top of yeah I think I definitely relate to what you're saying just before about asking for help it's almost like rewiring your brain I actually said to my husband that we actually consciously next year, 2023 or so this year, 
need to ask for help of like, okay, let's have a date night. Let's actually go out together because we've been so used to just having the weekends at home or doing something with the kids or if we're going out, it has to be with the kids as opposed to asking our family and particularly our parents to actually help. So it's just because we've for so long, we're like, oh, well, now we've got two kids. We've probably got to wear it. I can highly relate to that. And I think even as, yeah, we've, you know, you do get to your tipping points of like, oh my God, just the emotion and definitely having a four and a half year old that can be very emotional at times of dropping Lego and there's a, you know, pile of tears and you're like, oh, but then also as parents, you're trying to absorb some of those emotions because young kids can't control their emotions. So you're trying to absorb some of it and it's exhausting. Absolutely. So the reason I, I've spoken about parental burnout in the past, it's a sort of topic of interest of mine because I think because it's so widespread. But I did that post that you saw a few weeks, a few months ago, because I was, I was starting to experience it. And we'll talk about sort of the stages of parental burnout a little bit later. But um, my my daughter went through like a two-year regression, which I didn't know was a thing, but she met all the criteria for it. We had like daycare sickness and teething and all of a sudden we couldn't get her down for the night and we had to hold her until 9pm at night and we weren't getting any time to ourselves. And I could start to feel myself getting really irritated and irritable and really on edge and sort of, and we we didn't have that outside support. She was going to daycare, which was fantastic, but I still had to care for a, a what six month old at the time during the day as well. So there wasn't, I wasn't getting any time to myself. <clears throat> and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll revisit this parental burnout thing and I'll do a post. <laughs> um, and through doing that, edu- through like educating myself about it again, I started to put more strategies into how I can overcome it before the burnout gets to a point where it's a lot more down the line. Yeah, because I'm sure people are listening to this and thinking, oh, shit, that's me, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, at my last tether and I'm starting to yell at my kids and all that kind of stuff, which is all sort of a, when you think about it, like a rational response to the situation you're in. So we need to sort of play with your situation to, so you're, you can be the parent that you want to be and not yelling and getting angry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what are those signs and symptoms that you did recognize in yourself? And then what were some of those strategies that you put in place that you found worked for you? So for me, I was just exhausted. I, I'm not somebody who enjoys having somebody add to me 24 hours a day. So becoming a mother was quite a transition for me. So <laughs> never, never having time to myself was making me really exhausted. And the, and the fact of the matter is when you're holding a toddler till 9 p.m. at night, you, I'm then awake till 11 because that's, the, that's, that's two hours that I actually have to myself in a whole yes. day. And so that cycle of just becoming more and more tired every day because I'm going to bed late and exhausted. And I started to get, I was at the end of my tether. So there was one night where I was holding my, my daughter. She was wide awake and she was drinking a, but she wouldn't let me put her down. She just wanted to be in my arms, which is fine and completely normal for a two-year-old. But she had a drink bottle. She drank it and then she spat it in my face. Oh, no. I know. And I was like, okay. And I just breathed, just breathed. She did it again. So I grabbed the bottle and I just threw it across <sighs> the room. And I I can, I, I think like every mother in the world, I yeah. do get angry from time to time. I don't think that's completely. It's completely obscure. normal. Yeah. It's completely normal. 
but I just knew I just knew this isn't how I want to act around her because and I repaired with her and I explained to her that mummy is a bit angry and I'm I'm just upset I'm just going to do some deep breathing so I, I repaired with her and that's all fine and if anything that's good for her to see because it shows that it's okay to be a human being it's okay to make mistakes but that was around the time. So I, I meet monthly with a psychologist. So I spoke to her about that and she gave me some strategies on how to deal with those situations and how to deal with my daughter spitting in my face, (laughs) (laughs) how to sort of prevent that. So I was getting sort of that mental health support as well and, and making sure that I was getting time to myself. So my husband pretty much kicked me out the door for a few nights and said, look, just go to the shops, just be by yourself and I'll, and I'll handle her. So having that time to myself as well. But thankfully she's going to bed at seven again and everything's okay. I'm getting that time at night and I'm, I'm definitely not at the end of my tether anymore. And I've been, and in my personal case, like I've been exercising and I've been eating a lot better, going to bed a little bit earlier. <clears throat> All those types of things have been really helpful for me. Yeah, because burnout can be really, really awful. And it can turn you into a parent that you just don't, you don't want to be. Yeah. And it's one of those things, because as you say, like burnouts, that physical, that emotional response. And when you're not having time, I guess, to decompress and just to unwind, you know, it's that, that cup, as they say, you know, you need to keep filling your cup, but really if that cup's overflowing of just so much that's been put in there by the kids, you've got to empty it a bit so you can start to, from a mum perspective, to fill it up because your kids are just going to be putting more emotion into that cup and it's going to obviously spill out. So it's so exactly. good that you've recognised that those strategies, and when you think about it, they're not, it's not earth shattering. It's actually quite easy to implement you know it's what you you know a lot of people would call self-care and you know that mental release as well you know speaking to someone it's so important that sometimes I think is what is what you're saying earlier we think we need to manage it all where I think also what you're saying earlier about we used to have these big villages where we can also share our experiences where you know if you're not sharing and speaking to people to get that support it can really have such a flow on effect and you know as what they say you know mum can be the heartbeat of the family then if that heart's beating really fast because you're really stressed and and burnt out, that's going to have an influence on others as well. And that's the thing. In so I, a lot of my research at the university is to do with physical health, and I'm um, sorry, mental health. And what keeps coming up time and time again is connection. So people, <clears throat> whoever you are, we all want connection with other human beings. And that's another thing that I've really focused on is constant contact with other mothers and other, and even my friends who aren't mothers yet or at all, <clears throat> who are open-minded and who who get the situation, talking to them constantly about how I'm going every day and asking them and sort of having that ongoing dialogue with other mothers who get it is just so valuable. So I always think you can never have a too many friends as a, a mum and that's something as an introverted person I always thought that I'd be fine I don't need I don't need to go to a mother's group what yes are you about? but I sign up for every single mother's group possible because yeah connection with other people is so so important and because I can tell people this, this stuff and they go oh yes I've been in that situation too or and then I did this and that or or they just want to lend a lend an ear and you do the same for them it's beautiful so I think I've gone on a bit of a tangent there but it's just something that I've really noticed in my research at the university and through all my reading in the motherhood spaces connection is something that we all we all want yeah um, and, you- and it's so critical 
you don't realize that you need it until you are in the situation. I remember my husband saying, you don't need to go to mother's group, you know, shop's full, you know, like we've got enough friends. We don't have time for mother's group and stuff like that. And then I started it. I found amazing friends through it. And we've got a WhatsApp group that literally talk every day. And this is four and a half years later. And he's like, he can't now imagine life without that group. And even childcare drop off and pick up in, he sees one of one of the, the families from mother's group. So it's funny how it's like, oh, not until you're in the situation, you don't realize how much value there is, even just from not, not just from knowing you're not alone, that there is someone else going, yeah, I've been there. And yep, it was crap. And it's not like what you may see on Instagram, say some of those other accounts where it's all amazing, where yep, you're in the trenches. It's tough. It's hard. You're not alone. And by actually someone else saying that, you're like, oh, thank God it's not just me. (laughs) It's such a relief, isn't it? It's such a moment of a breath out of going, oh, it's not just me. Like this is what other mothers experience. You know, I'm not a terrible mother. We're all in this together. (laughs) Yeah. And if you say to someone, I'm exhausted, usually they're like, Yep, we hear you, sister. We feel you. We know exactly what you feel. And you're like, oh, thank God. We can all, you know, be soaking in the coffee and things like that together. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You um, just, sorry, go go on. I just wanted to mention that I just wanted to go back to perfectionist tendencies as well. And it's not so much perfectionist tendencies, because I don't think we're all perfectionists who experience parental burnout, but we are in this culture of social media and sort of not allowing mothers to sort of speak up about their real experience depending on who what like I know in my in the circle that I've created I can talk about anything to anyone and feel no shame and or guilt about anything but I know more generally when you see perfect images on social media and people saying all the right things and, you know, not making mistakes, it can lead you to think that all the other mothers are doing this perfectly. And that can actually, that research has shown that that's been associated with parental burnout as well, because mothers feel the need that they have have to do everything perfectly, that they can't make these. Yep. They can't make these mistakes. And it also leads to gatekeeping behaviors as well, because if other mothers can do it, then I should be able to do it. And I'm not going to ask for help because I should be able to do it. I'm the mother. And that's all associated with parental burnout as well in the research. Yeah. You can just see that line from um, seeing those perfect images on Instagram to, to a mother thinking that she has to do it all and, and she has to love it. But if you're doing it all, you're probably not going to be loving it. We all need and you, a break. You will be burnt out and you will be exhausted from trying to do the what all those Instagram mums are doing. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. They've probably got help that's there and it's unrealistic. They're only giving you one photo or one reel that may take 20 seconds and that's one little snapshot into their lives. It's not real. It's you know, and I often say that everyone has a different journey. Everyone has their own path and make it for you. You can take little bits of advice, little tidbits from all different sources, but what's most important is that you do what's best for you and your family. Don't pay attention to all that other stuff because that is not real. Precisely. Precisely. You were going to ask a question before. <laughs> I was just, yeah, you said earlier about the different stages of parental burnout. So I'm guessing that you just don't go from zero to a hundred of, you know, percentage of burnout, that there are different increments along the way. What are those recognized stages of burnout? 
Yeah, so I was listening to your burnout episode and they're kind of similar to that, the parental burnout and, you know, your usual sort of work burnout. So the first is an overwhelming feeling of exhaustion and that's what I was feeling the, a few months ago. I actually said to my husband, look, I'm I'm exhausted. I'm not enjoying this very much. And he's like, of course you're not enjoying this very much. Like, <laughs> if you're enjoying parenting 24 hours a day without a break I'd, I'd need to go get your head checked <laughs> yeah. so anyway sorry that's a bit of a tangent but yeah so the first stage is an overwhelming exhaustion related to parenting or your role as a parent so you're just tired all the time you don't have that energy you you just have no mojo and then the second stage from that is starting and the second stage and the third stage sort of work together they're not delineated in the way that I'm saying it they can sort of happen together but the second stage for the sake of clarity is feeling emotionally distanced from your children so you start to just do your role as a parent but that's it so you're feeding your kids you're bathing them you're making sure they're brushing their teeth you're sending them to daycare you're you're doing all your parenting duties but that's it you're not you're not doing anything extra and you're 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 not really getting that fulfillment from that relationship with your with your babies and it's not that motherhood is completely fulfilling 100% of the time that's that's a ridiculous to think but you're not getting any joy or so you're starting to sort of distance yourself from them because the act of parenting is becoming so overwhelming that in order to protect yourself your brain starts to emotionally distance from them and the third the third stage is you're starting to experience a sense of ineffectiveness as a parent so you're feeling unsure of your ability to parent well you're not the parent that you thought you would be you're doubting yourself you're thinking I'm such a shit mum why are all the other mums doing this so well and I can't do this and you can sort of see that the stage two and stage three sort of happen in unison and in extreme cases so yeah, in extreme cases, this can lead to a parent who is yelling all the time, who is in, in even worse cases, you know, abusing or emotionally abused, that kind of thing. So we definitely want to get parents earlier on before they get anywhere close to that. Because if you don't have the support, it makes sense that you're going to get to that stage. So we want to get you earlier. So this is what happened to me. I was starting to feel overwhelmingly exhausted and not enjoying my role, not feeling fulfilled by it. And that's when I started to implement those strategies and pull myself back out of that experience because it's so easy to just keep going to just every day, just the same thing. I feel like you're on that hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about this now and I've already forgotten what I was going to say. (laughs) That's right. So just to recap, so it's exhaustion, feeling emotionally distanced, and then that sense of ineffectiveness. So if you're getting to obviously those stages, it's probably actually good to, like you suggested, seek that professional help and and get some of that guidance even. And then definitely it's okay to also, we're telling you now, we're giving you permission, you don't have to be around your kids 24-7 but to extract yourself out from those situations to just like you said, just like all mums need to, you know, fill your cup with and also just to decompress from these situations. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Just quickly, so 
Is there any different, and there's probably definitely some signs that are differences between if you're feeling like you've got parental burnout, but then also postnatal depression. Are there some clear things? Because you may feel if you're just feeling exhausted, you're feeling a bit distant, you may think, am I, and I'm postpartum, am I, you know, experiencing postnatal depression? Are there some clear differences between the two or they very intertwined? Yeah, I'd love to tell you that there's clear differences, but the symptoms of them are quite similar. There are some differences. So postnatal depression often happens within the first year, but as we know, postpartum is forever. So women four years down the line, I think, I'm pretty sure the research shows that women at four years postpartum at the higher, highest risk of depression. So Karina, you, you should be watching out for that. That's a bit <laughs> ominous, I'm sorry. Anyway, I'll go back a step. So Postpartum depression often occurs within the first year, whereas parental burnout often occurs when the baby is 18 months or above. Now, that's obviously, you know, there's always differences and I'm sure there's people who have a baby who's under a year and they, they're experiencing parental burnout. And it's often when the mother or the father has gone back to work and now they're man- they're trying to balance those two things. You know, that old saying, working like you don't have a baby, having a baby like you're not working, or like all that beautiful stuff. So, and with postpartum depression, it it largely doesn't discriminate. There are risk factors for it, but you could have all the resources in the world and still get postpartum depression. Mm. But with parental burnout, you can often see that clear, oh my God, there is so much on my plate and I don't have the support to help me with that. And with Postpartum depression, it's often that low mood for long, long periods of time. And with parental burnout, you can experience low moods as well, but you've also got, you know, that irritability and exhaustion and almost more anxiety and that kind of thing. So I'd love to tell you that there is this clear difference, but they're very quite similar. So if you're experiencing anything that I'm saying, it's probably a good idea to go to your GP and just have a chat about it and they can sort of help direct you into the into a good service that, that makes sense for you and your situation. <clears throat> I don't know you, if that's yeah. made it clear at all. <laughs> I think it's I think it's definitely saying that there are some similarities. And what I'll do is I'll put some links to like cope and and that in the yep. show doc just so because yeah it is it is a topic that yeah you don't know what you're experiencing but definitely as you said there is those trigger points and I think also going back to parental burnout that like I know that I've got a you know from about 18 months old you know kids start becoming a little bit more vocal a little bit more independent they realize that they have got opinions and they will stand their ground and it's hard because some of that these babies aren't as malleable as what they used to be and they'll just go to sit down and they'll do sort of that they'll they'll start talking back and so that also, I know even in my own experience, that starts to definitely go, oh my goodness, like, why aren't you eating dinner tonight? You liked this last week and you're not liking it now. Mm-hmm. And particularly working parents, you've got this very short window at the end of the day and it's witching hour. And definitely that's also when all those buttons start getting to be pressed and just why won't they go to bed? And it's it's exhausting because if you've had a long day at work, you come home, your kids definitely press those buttons and you feel on that, that you're constantly on that treadmill, I can see why, definitely from after 18 months, why that starts to happen. Yeah, and especially if you haven't sort of received that support in the early days as well, in those early months, you're still exhausted from 
just from having your baby, which feels like it was six minutes ago, but it was 18 months ago. Yeah. And so if you're not getting that initial support, it's just elongating mm. this issue that's gonna be that's gonna become parental burnout at some point, whether it's 18 months or four years or five years down the line. And yeah, I can talk about because you you got a question about can you recover from it? Yes. Um, and I think that's something that's so important to talk about that this isn't your reality. You don't have to put up with this forever. And there are some things that you can do around it. And we sort of spoke about it before. So some research-backed ways of of coming back from parental burnout is talking about it, first of all. So coming back to that connection. So talking to other mothers, talking to other parents who get it, who aren't necessarily going to dismiss you because I know not everyone's a great listener. So finding those people who are good listeners. The next one is stopping, stop saying should. I should mm. be doing this. I should be doing that. My house should be clean. My kids should be well-mannered. They should be eating everything on their plate. I should be feeding them only organic meals, all those types of things. Stop saying should. Anytime you find yourself saying should, I want you to reflect on why Why am I saying should? Who's telling me this? Is this a societal thing? Is this actually helpful for me? Is this what my baby even needs? Is it okay that they have like a toasted banana for bread? Sorry. Is it okay that they have toast and a banana for dinner? If they've eaten pretty well at daycare, fine. fine. Like, it's Whatever not it takes like, sometimes. Exactly. And, it, and we all know toddlers or at least those of us who have older, older kids, like you can, you can make them a beautiful organic meal, but they're not necessarily going to eat any of it. They probably won't. <laughs> so that's where those shoots come in. Do, do you have to really make the, spend hours making them this curated beautiful meal or, or could you just feed them whatever they're actually going to eat that night and take the pressure off yourself and what you mentioned earlier about it's not huge changes that actually help you recover from it it's it does take effort and it does take daily effort but it's not huge stuff so thinking about your workload so what's on your plate at the moment and i always use that glass ball plastic ball analogy where glass balls are things that <clears throat> it's very important that you continue to juggle those so your mental health you know feeding your children feeding yourself getting sleep at night those are glass balls you can't drop them otherwise the consequences are bad for you and your kids but things like <clears throat> like what we're saying like an organic no screen time what are some other things we worry about oh exercise getting, getting ex yeah yeah time you name it yep yeah, those plastic balls, you can drop them and you can pick them up later. If it's not going to be the end of the world, the world isn't going to stop spinning if you if you drop a plastic ball and let your kid watch Bluey for half an hour. In fact, they'll learn a great lesson from Bluey. Yeah, <laughs> parent according to Bluey, yeah, you, you're doing well. You're sorted. You're doing a great job. So having a think about what's on your plate at the moment and what doesn't actually need to be there. The world will continue spinning if you do X, Y, Z and... and Oh, trying to I'm so glad you edit this <laughs> I'm having trouble with you anyway what can what can you afford to drop and what do you need to keep juggling and just having a think about what the difference for that and that's going to be unique to everyone as well and can you outsource I know not everyone has in their budget to be able to outsource say a cleaner or food delivery but could you outsource to friends and family, especially if you're starting to feel exhausted, mm. starting to hit that area? Is there things that you could outsource to loved ones or or, or paid support as well? <clears throat> and advocating for yourself as well is really important. 
<clears throat> and another one is reducing expectations on yourself as well. So if you're going on social media and you're scrolling and it's not making you feel very good, it's probably a good sign to take a step back or unfollow, mute, just get rid of the people who aren't serving you because that's heightening your expectations and that's not going to be good for you or your babies. Yes. And the the problem with parental burnout, the impact of it is that it really impacts the relationship between you and your baby or you and your child, which obviously has consequences for them as well. <clears throat> and I don't mean to say that to scare you, just to say that the way you interact with your child is the way that they will interact with their world around them and, ex- and expect to be treated as they grow, as they get older. <clears throat> so that relationship between you and them is so important and all they need is you. They don't need anything fancy. They just need you. So how can you bring joy back into that relationship with your child? And for some parents, that means spending time away from them. And for others, that might mean prioritizing your own needs as well. So for example, our my toddler has the energy of a thousand sons. Uh, so on the <laughs> weekend, we have to be out all day. We have to be at, we, we often go to a park and then we go and see a friend at another park and then go to a park on the way home. <laughs> that's, that's our weekend in order to have a happy weekend. So we sort of put things that work for my husband and I, like going to a nice cafe in between that or going for a walk through Ikea, which we really enjoy or that kind of thing, or going to see a friend who we really like and letting our kids play together. So sort of prioritising our needs while also taking care of our our toddler's needs at the same time. So it's sort of a win-win situation. Even though we're, you know, we'd rather sit on the lounge and binge watch something and drink martinis all day that's not really (laughs) appropriate at this point of time so thinking about how you can bring joy back to that relationship with with your child as well and that can really build that cycle of having that positive relationship with them because I think we forget as adults to play and to have fun and it's and it's Um, okay to also not focus on our kids 24 seven that also, but you can include them in your life. So as you said, go to a cafe, it's okay to not, I think there's also something around society making us feel that we've got to entertain them 24 seven and they can't have screen time. They can't do this and they should be doing this. As you said, all these shoulds, but it's okay to integrate them because then also they then learn something else and, and something new and, and things like that. Like I don't personally like my husband and I, you know, enjoy going to wine tasting and stuff. So we actually went away on a weekend away in the morning. We went to the park and they had their fun, fun time in the park. And then the afternoon, my husband and I went wine tasting and the kids came along and still had a great time running around and and doing different things, but it's hard, but it's, you're so right. You've still got to do something for yourself to bring joy and just, cause it's, as you said earlier, parenting is exhausting and it's not necessarily always fun hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And these days I've always had a funny relationship with self-care, but I think that I've come around to it because when it comes to self-care, we often think of, you know, a massage or getting your nails done and that's all fun stuff. But when you, you can't do that every day, nail, no, you can't do that every day. And also you come back into your environment mm. after you've had it. So you might feel really good for a few hours and then you've still got laundry to do. You've still got screaming kids. You've still got all these things. So now these days I think of self-care as something that's integrated into everyday life. So, <clears throat> so for example, my walk, I go for a walk every day with my baby in the pram and I put my earbuds in and I listen to a podcast 
instead of feeling like I have to, you know, talk to him the whole time, he'll Mm. be fine. He's looking around at trees. He's looking in the environment. I don't need to entertain him 24-7. And he'll get a lot out of that just sitting there and looking around. So my self-care is, you know, prioritizing the fact that I want to listen to a nice podcast or talk to a friend or or and like I said before like I'm in constant contact with with my girlfriends and that kind of thing and what are some other self-care things that I do lowering my expectations and dismantling you know that perfect mother myth that I have to be perfect all the time and have a beautiful clean house though that's what I view as self-care and even things like my son takes two naps at the moment for his age and when I put him down I don't then go and clean or start you know doing product productive work I go on at the moment I'm binging Gilmore Girls and that (laughs) gives me a lot and I love that I get I I walk past the dirty dishes straight to the lounge and I just sit there until he's ready to ready to get up again instead of thinking oh I've got to clean the house now I've got to do this I've got to do that those nap times that's my time yes (laughs) and I'm and I'm thankful that, and this is what should be the case, that I have a husband who does not expect me to do anything during the day in terms of chores or anything like that, because he knows, like like men and other people should know, is that taking care of a baby is a full-time job on its own. Yep, very um, much so. <laughs> so... So the, so if I if I empty the dishwasher, if I put on a load of washing, that's just a bonus, but it's not an expectation. Um, the... So, yeah, so those are sort of some self-care things that I have incorporated into my daily life to sort of take the pressure off myself and actually enjoy my baby. So I know for me on social media, when my daughter was a baby, I was following like milestones and, you know, sleep sleep accounts and all this kind of stuff. And there's, you just get into this comparison trap. And that took me out of actually enjoying just being with her as she is, thinking that I, you know, she should be crawling by now, she should be rolling by now, I mm. should be doing all these things to encourage her as if I had any control over them. Yes. <laughs> but I now realise I have no control over them. I just have to love them and they'll they'll develop how they develop. Yeah, so recognising that, you know, watching kids they should be rolling by X was not, was just contributing to that perfect mother myth. So getting rid of those people from social media was really important for me. So that's a form of self-care as well, Mm. is tuning in on my emotions and what's not working for me anymore. So I can just enjoy my children as they are without the expectation that I should be optimizing their every moment. We can just, you know, play on the lounge and climb stuff and, and laugh and watch Bluey and, you know, they'll be perfectly They'll be perfectly happy, beautiful kids. Yeah, no, it's such a good way, you know, and everyone, if something works for everyone and and by mm-hmm. actually being able to do that and you recognising that you've gone through that journey of experiencing burnout but then also turning it around to empower yourself to actually enjoy being a mum and actually turning that around because clearly you're going down a different path. I um, absolutely love this chat, Lisa. So you mentioned earlier, do you want to give us a plug again for your Instagram account where you've got more of this content? Yep. So my Instagram account is at Dr. Lisa Researcher. So if you type that into Instagram, you will find me. That's where I put out content pretty consistently about anything to do with motherhood, but mainly a focus on taking the pressure off mothers and fathers as well, and showing them the value of what they do. Because the work of mothers is often taken for granted, and that contributes to to them 
thinking they have to do everything all the time when actually, like I said before, you know, taking care of a nine-month-old, that's a full-time job on its own. So taking that pressure off them off them so they can just enjoy their babies and enjoy who they are and be the authentic parents that they are and not be striving for unrealistic expectations on themselves. Yeah, so that's where you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Dr. Lisa Researcher. Awesome. And I love it because it's also, it's not just you know, random ideas and things like that. It's actually quantifiable information that you've actually put out there from obviously from your from your research background, which is so powerful. So thank you so much, Lisa, for this this chat today. I know that I've also personally got so much out of it. That's why I love podcasting and speaking to all these guests, <laughs> all these amazing topics. But I think it's definitely so beneficial. And look, if you are experiencing any of these stages of burnout, you know, both Lisa and I highly recommend you definitely speak to someone, someone that's a professional, see a GP, get a mental health plan, speak to Cope, Beyond Blue. There's many resources out there for you, but even just speak to someone else, even if it's your partner, to someone safe as well, that you feel that you can entrust. And, and as you said, you know, that community, that connection and get it out of your head and speaking to it can often be a real help as well. So thank you so much, Lisa. You've definitely given away so much gold hints tips advice but also normalizing this topic so thank you so much really appreciate it oh you're so welcome Karina and and everyone listening thank you so much for having me on thank you for listening to the working mama podcast subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast catch-up i invite you also to join the working mama community on facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.